Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. Uh, like Cameron said, my name is Joel Berry, and we are wrapping up a series called Pressure Points. Pastor Alex is not here today. He, if you were here last week, you heard him say that he and his wife were leaving for Italy after the service last week, and indeed they did. And he also said, hey, maybe I'll send you guys a picture, and indeed he did. So uh, I think we have a photo here of Alex and Sam in front of the Coliseum. And so they've had a great trip, and, and this was a celebration of their 20th wedding anniversary that happened this past summer, and again, they were asking for prayers for safe travels and refreshment, and it seems God has heard those prayers, but continue to pray for them. I'm sure they're welcoming your prayers for continued refreshment on this trip, as well as safety as they travel back uh, to the States later this week. So they, they are there, and we are grateful that they're having that time together, and we are here wrapping up uh, the last uh, points in this series of um, pressure points, specifically when when you want justice. And that, you know, it doesn't really, you don't have to look too far to say, oh, I don't think that's right. That's not, very, that's not very just. And so we want to look at really today what um, James specifically says about it. Now, Alex uh, had mentioned this, Pastor Alex had mentioned before that this is the half-brother of Jesus who's writing this to Christians, the early church. Jews have been scattered. They're persecuted. Like, identifying injustice in their life was not a hard thing to do. They, they had it rough. Um, and what James is doing, though, he's writing this letter with the hopes and the intention of bringing hope. And so what, as we dig into James chapter 5 today, we want to look at how God can use this truth in the Word, in the Scripture, to bring us hope. Um, so that's what we're going to be going to. Again, I, I, if you're like me, you don't have to look too far for um, injustice. Quickly in life, we're aware um, if something's right or wrong. Even at a, at a very young age, we can just get this sense of like, they shouldn't do that. That's not right. Um, there's a picture here. Uh, I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure you've seen this uh, candy bar. There's a candy bar called Heath Bar. One of my favorite candy bars when I was a kid. There it is. And... Um, I don't know how often I had candy as a kid. It's not like I was eating it every day, I don't think. But anyways, it's not your problem. But this candy bar here, um, I got one, and I put it in the refrigerator. I don't know why. I, I just like cold candy, I decided, at some point in my life. And I put it in the fridge, and then I remember getting up one morning, and when I think about this story, I, I think it had to be a Saturday, because I can't imagine I was the first one up, ex- unless cartoons were on. But... Um, I went to the fridge. Now, why I'm going to the fridge for a candy bar on a Saturday morning, who cares, right? But I was, and it wasn't there, and I knew I didn't need it. And I'm trying to think, when I was getting ready for the sermon, I was like, what's the, one of the first moments of injustice I can think in my life? And it's, it's right here. <laughs> I woke up, and I thought, what in the world? This, I didn't need this. And so I needed to let my entire household know this, this wasn't right. And I think I was the only one awake for the moment. And then um, it was basically I needed to find out who, who was responsible, so I needed, I needed that info. And then I needed uh, to let them know that they were going to buy me another candy bar. That was, uh, you're going to buy me another candy bar. I think my family still brings that up. Anyways, um, and so I just remember my dad kind of groggily like, okay, fine, whatever, right? But for me in my mind, uh, and I guess I got another candy bar, me in my mind, and this is how we can be, it's like... I want justice, and I need to take things into my own hands and execute justice and whatever that takes in this moment. So, you know, in my elementary school perspective, I thought, this is, this is how we do this. We wake everyone up, we let them know a wrong has been done, and we work together to make it right, right now, because I was looking for my candy bar and it was gone, right? 
So we can take that bar. And we don't want to make everyone hungry. But there's toffee in there too. You see why I was mad, right? It's not just chocolate. Um, so, but then there's other injustices. When I was uh, December 14th, 1989, 11 days before Christmas, um, my grandma and my aunt and my other aunt, so two aunts and a grandma were Christmas shopping. And uh, there was a man driving an 18-wheeler, and he was drunk, and he plowed through an intersection that they were going to, and my aunt that was driving was killed, and my grandmother was killed. And I was, I was junior high, <laughs> and I, I guess I don't tell that story a lot. Um, but so in that moment, as a junior high kid, I'm like, well, that ain't right. And then the next thing you think is, well, what happened to the guy that did that? And um, I called my cousin Friday her mom was the one that was killed, and I said, hey, I'm, I want to get this right. My understanding, the story I've told for years since 1989 is that my grandma and aunt were killed in a, in a, by a drunk driver on December 14th, and then my aunt in the backseat, she survived, uh, and the man that, that was responsible got six months in jail. And I said, is that right? And she goes, well, his sentence was six to 12 months. He served about three weeks. He, he was there less than a month. And that, I learned that two days ago, and I was like, that really ain't right. So, and you probably have stories in your own life where, whether it's candy bars or serious deaths, you think, that's, that's not just. Where, where's the justice in this? And what we want to look at today as we dig into James chapter 5 is uh, we want to see things from the right perspective. And I want to start with this as well. If, we, if God decided to execute complete justice today, we would all be dead. So part of this is there's a reason God allows certain things and pressures in our life, and we want to see these things from the right perspective. There's a picture here. I don't know if you've ever seen these kind of pictures where you look at it one way, and it's one picture. You flip it upside down. It's the same picture, but one looks like a guy with a mustache. The other one looks like a horse. Um, same exact picture. And uh, the reason I put this up here is because when we look at things from the wrong perspective— we interpret them incorrectly. And as followers of Jesus, we want to look at things through the Scripture and through the, uh, through the lens of Scripture and what the Bible says about justice. Otherwise, we are just riding our emotions and trying to figure out how to execute justice, how justice can be done on our own understanding. And that's played out time and time again throughout history and throughout our world today, and it doesn't bring results that honor God and that actually bring lasting change. So I want to... Uh, Look at Psalm 75 real quick. Most of the time today is going to be spent in James chapter 5, but there's a verse here in, James, in Psalm 75 that's been a real help to me, and as we talk about the right lens to look through trouble and difficulty and injustice from, I think this is a good place to start. Uh, for not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the desert comes exaltation, but God is the judge. He puts down one, and he exalts another. Uh, I don't see my name in that verse. Joel is the judge. Who's the judge? God is the judge. We want justice, and we want a just judge, and we, we have one. So God exalts people, and he puts them down. He exalts bosses. He exalts world leaders, state leaders, people in uh, your neighborhood, the HOA leader, right? Not from the east, not from the west, not from the desert comes exaltation, but God is the judge. Wait a minute. He he. He puts down one and he exalts another. Well, if God knows who's in charge and he's allowed it and God can be trusted, I don't have to get bent out of shape about these things. Now, that's way easier said than done, but that's, that's the truth of Scripture. 
God is not surprised by who is in charge and who's not in charge because he is ultimately in charge. He is the judge. And so from that lens, we want to dig in to what's going on uh, in James chapter 5 today. It really affects the, how we view a situation um, if, we, if we know the judge and we trust the judge. Identifying the injustice, like I said, that may not be hard for you to identify injustice in your life, uh, in the world around you. Um, but uh, what is the correct response? That's really what we want to dig into today. I don't, think, I don't think figuring out, wait, there's injustice in this world? Can, can you give me an example? That's not what we're trying to figure out, right? It's really like, what is my response to this? Um, and it's a big buzzword in culture and everything. We want justice. We want justice. But uh, there's a way. There's a way, and there's a way that God's laid it out. So let's look at this. First thing, and you'll see this on your listening guide. There's a listening guide inside your program today. Uh, you can follow along there if you'd like. We are going to be looking at those verses in James, uh, several of them. Um, not all, kind of taking them a few at a time throughout the sermon here. But the first point here is God doesn't ignore injustice. So this is helpful to know when we are facing difficult things that, oh, wait, this isn't escaping God's notice. Um, And so we start with God doesn't ignore injustice, and then we look at he brings the consequences uh, to the unjust. So James 5, 1 through 3, and 5 and 6. So we're going to look at James 5, 1 through 3 right now and talk a little bit about this, um, that, that actually God does bring consequences. Sometimes not in our timing, often not in our timing, uh, but God does, does bring it. Let's look at these verses together. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded. And their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. This isn't good news for people that have been unjust. Your garments are moth-eaten. If, if a moth eats something, I don't know if you've ever had that happen, it's, not, it's pretty useless after that. Um, and then the things that they were putting their trust in. So the picture here is people using their wealth or their power to uh, leverage and take advantage of others. Um, and, and mistreat people. So the verse, it, it's not saying having money or wealth is bad, but it is saying if you are t- taking these things and you're putting your trust and your hope in these things and, misuse, and mistreating people along the way, that's not going to go well for you. Um, part of this is we think money can be a quick fix or we think it can solve problems. And if you're like me, I'm like, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, that could help today. I watched a video recently on people that had won the lottery and just, you know, whatever the headline was, was like very much like, oh, I want to click on that and watch it because it was like people whose, the lottery destroyed their lives and you watch it and, and how worse off they are. And of course you get to the end of that video and I'm like, yeah, but if somebody gave me that much money, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that with it. But the idea is that we think this will solve problems and not only will it solve problems, it can, uh, yeah, it can make problems go away and I can use it for my advantage. But the thing we're, we're seeing here is that if we choose to use these things to uh, mistreat others and to gain advantage uh, wrongly, there will be justice. God, God, will be, uh, God is watching. Uh, we don't hope in wealth. We, we hope in God. And if you look up, down at verse 5, it says, You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person he does not resist you. When you take advantage and are unjust, 
life unravels. That, that's the picture in Scripture. Your life really does unravel. Um, and so it's not a, a threat so much as maybe a heads up or a warning, like we don't want to treat people this way. Um, James warns, you know, you don't fly off the cliff of your own self-indulgence, which is also a temptation when we're, rece- when we're uh, encountering injustice. We can say, I'm just going to do what I want then. I mean, there's no justice. Nobody's taking care of me. I'm just going to self-indulge, and that can lead uh, to more problems and perpetuate more situations later on down the road. Um, don't wrong others to put yourself ahead. God sees this, um, and, and so we want to make sure that we are aware of the judge, the good judge that God is, and that these things aren't escaping his notice. So then, then comes the comfort. Um, the next point you'll see there is that he, cry, he hears the cries for justice. And that's a big help to me. One, we've got a judge who nothing escapes his notice. And then um, he, he sees these things, and then he hears our cries. Um, if you're like me, if you're, if you're experiencing injustice or, or just hurt or confusion, when you cry out, you, you want to be heard. You know, you want to know that someone's listening. And for me, this brings great encouragement. Verse 4, Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Well, there's a lot of farming analogies in James chapter 5 and in the Scripture in general. It was a, obviously a common thing to be farming and growing your own thing, foods. This, they're saying here that uh, the wealthy that hired people, they mistreated their workers, and they didn't take care of them, and they took advantage of them and used them for their own profit, and, and that doesn't escape God's notice. And when those people cry out, God hears. But that's, that's the truth. That's the promise that we're seeing in James chapter 5. And it, it calls him the Lord of hosts, it says the Lord of hosts, here's the, here's the pain. The host refers to an army, and when you follow God, it's like he's a general leading his troops, and the general takes care of his troops, and he thinks about them, and, and, and they're good. Um, and for me, this is the encouragement I have here. God hears. I mean, because if we're just experiencing injustice and just shouting it to the world, that's wrong, I hate that, I can't believe this is happening, whatever, and we feel kind of powerless, you know, or, or we're talking to someone else, but they can't impact the situation, the encouragement we have in these verses is that we have a God who, who hears and he actually can impact the situation. God can change uh, hearts. I mean, most of the trouble, this, the trouble in this world is from sin, and that's in our hearts. And uh, God changes hearts. We, we, we live and we love and we try to, to live a life that's in line with the truth of Scripture by the grace of God. But when it comes to changing someone's heart and really what they value and really what they treasure, that's the work of God. And we can cry to that God and ask him for help and say, God, this, this isn't right. And God helps give perspective on it. Um, so that's one of the encouragements I have. Next thing, we can trust God under the pressure of injustice. So now I want to switch gears a little bit to, you know, we just looked at um, what God does. He brings consequences and he hears the cries. This should be encouraging to us. But now what's my job, right? Part, part of it's like, I, I get it. I can find injustice. I can identify injustice. Um, my response. What is my response? Um, that's what we want to look at now. And so we, we dig into um, verse 7. Uh, God's plan to trust him in injustice, one, be patient. Oh, my goodness. Man, even since you're a little kid, you hear, oh, just be patient. Oh, seriously? 
It's you just it's it never feels right. It never feels good. It's like oh okay, that's all. Just be paid. Okay, cool. Yeah, but let's look at this and see why. James five seven through eight. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Uh, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Patience, patience, patience. Here's the deal. We have injustice. We experience things going on, and there is this hurt and, and, and longing. But there's only so much we can do. We can choose our response. Truth is, your kids still need to be parented. Your job still needs focus and diligence. Your bills need to get paid. Your studies can't wait. These things happen. Um, the picture here of, of the farming, like if I want an apple, I don't plant the apple tree today. I'm not a farmer, but I can tell you that's not going to work out. Like if I drop that seed in the ground today, first of all, it's Fontana. Take a while to get the soil ready, and then, you know, you got to grow that thing. So the picture here is you can get the soil ready. That's something you can do and I can do, and I can plant the right seed. That's something you can do and I can do, but God brings the rain. That is not something you or I can do. And so while I'm waiting for God to bring the justice that I so desperately desire and want and need I can trust God. I can be patient and work my fields. And this is what, I don't know if this happens to you. I think it's pretty common. I know what happens to me. I can be frustrated about something that doesn't impact my life, but I see it as unjust, and it takes me sideways, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm impatient with my kids and my wife, or I don't get my work done that day because of something out here, and all of a sudden, the things that were my field, my stewardship that God gave me, God said, here, this is your stewardship. And I'm like, but that stinks over there, and I'm going to run over there and complain about it. And so the idea here is that, no, we be patient because the judge that we, uh, our our God that we serve is just, and he'll bring justice, and he'll bring the rain for the crops when he chooses to. That is not my stewardship. My stewardship are the things that God's given me, and you know the things that are on your plate that God's entrusted to you to do. And so we want to be very careful uh, not to step outside uh, the, the, the responsibilities God given us to take on something that's his. We're not going to be a good judge. We're not going to be a just judge, ultimately. And, and again, the justice that we want, if God said, okay, I'll execute complete justice today, we're dead anyway, all of us. So we want to be patient. And so that's the encouragement in this, that you've got things to do. It's not like, oh, what, sh- what should I do while I'm waiting? Oh, there's, there's some things to do. God's given you stewardships to be faithful with. And as you honor him, God works these things out. I don't know how, but he, he, he keeps his promises, and life goes well as we trust him and are faithful with the things he's given us to do. Leave payback to God and focus on the good goals that he's given you. We, we, we can't execute justice. We can't execute the justice that's needed. But God can, and he can be trusted. Uh, there's some, uh, a couple of verses, which I think they'll be up on the screen, Second Peter. This is a picture that's been helpful to me of just uh, God's patience. Uh, I'll read it. Second uh, Peter 2, 3, 8, and 9. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, uh, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. When I see injustice, like, God, this needs to be dealt with today. God is like, he sees patience. He's like, this is an opportunity for this person uh, to repent, for this situation to be rectified. 
Um, so be patient. And, and as we can see, God views time very differently than we do. Um, what if the people in the unjust situation pre- uh, repented? What if God turned their hearts and they found God and they found hope and they found peace? Isn't that what we want for ourselves? We want hope and peace and success. But when it's someone else, we're like, they need to have God, let them have it. Just strike them. Strike them down. But God's like, you know what? I don't want anybody to perish. So it may be a little longer than you're wanting for things to come about the way you think they should look. But I can be trusted in the middle of it, and I will always do what I say. And so that's the promises we want to cling to. And I don't know if that's helpful, but that's helpful for me. Those verses have been helpful as I just deal with timelines. You know, it's like, God, I, I can wait a week, but don't ask me to wait 20 years. Uh, whatever, right? So James 5.8. The next, the next point here is, first, we can be patient and trust God. The second, strengthen, strengthen our hearts. James 5.8. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So that the picture here is you just kind of resolve, like, I can do this. Today, I can be faithful with what God's given me to do. Um, Jesus is coming is at hand. God, he will wrap up history at some point. As we just looked in 2 Peter 3, 8, and 9, you can try to figure that out, but his timeline is very different than ours. Uh, He has stewardships for us to focus on today, and that's what we want to do. If God is going to rip me off, I'll act a certain way. If God's not going to come through for me, there's a certain way I'm going to act, because I don't believe him. I don't trust him. But... If God is who he says he is, and he is the judge, and he, is, he will execute complete justice, and thankfully, he shows mercy, even in the moments when I need to experience justice, he's shown me mercy and shown me patience, then, then I'm going to act a different way if I believe that, um, and, and I take him at his word. But if God can be trusted, then justice will be served. And that's something I have to go back to maybe mul- multiple times a day. Some days, depending on where I'm at, you know, I, I just, I can get taken sideways so quickly. And it's, it does us well to remind ourselves of the truth of God's scripture. Okay, what is the truth here? God is the judge. He sets down one. He exalts another. He is patient with me. God, give me the patience with other people, with my situation, with the injustice that I think needs to be settled by the time my head hits the pillow tonight, and it may not be. Help me to trust you with that, God. Let's look on here. Um, the next one, so we can be patient, we can strengthen our hearts, and we can refuse to complain. Hmm. Man, I don't know about you, I'm pretty good at that. They don't give out awards or degrees for that, but I feel like I'd have a waffle um, if, I, if they did. James 5.9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. This is a warning. If you grumble and complain, you are putting yourself in a position to be judged. But we aren't the judge. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. He's, he's near. He's here. He sees it. Um, and so you, you don't have to complain. So that's a conscious decision to refuse to complain. It's intentionality. See, at, once Adam and Eve sinned, and then we all put our stamp of approval on it by going our own way, our tendency is to, to, to go, uh, to be selfish, to, to go against God's ways. So these things that we're talking about today, be patient and strengthen our hearts and to refuse to complain, they're not going to come natural. That's why we need God's help. It's a picture of God's kindness to us. 
And so uh, we refuse and say, God, in this moment, man, I am not happy. I've got a lot to complain about. I'm not going to do it. And um, the hard part, Pastor Alex talked about this uh, last week about venting. Uh, we want to vent. We just want to let it go. And, and that's actually not, uh, that's not healthy to just live a life of complaint and just let it, whatever's on our heart, just, just spew it to everyone. And that's hard because we live in a culture where it says, if you feel it, say it. And they can figure out how it lands. That's all. If they get offended, blah, right? But uh, the Scripture is a very different perspective. And we want to see life through the lens of Scripture because that's where our help is. So you may think things like, it's not fair that I'm the only one being treated this way. And we can get into complaints. It's not fair that their life is a cakewalk. Mine isn't. We get into complaints. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7.10, this isn't on your listening guide, but it says, uh, do not say why were the old days better, for it's not from wisdom that you ask for this. I heard a mentor one time saying, uh, you're, you're really kind of masking a complaint against God when you do that. Man, why don't, remember the old days? Aren't they better? Those old, and we just want to be back in a situation that's not now, not in this situation now. But God says in Ecclesiastes, that's not, that's not wise. That's actually not a good use of your time. Because in a way, we're saying, God, you don't have this figured out. You, you might, in the good old days, you were there because it was good. But right now, it's difficult. And so you're not paying attention. And your hand isn't on this situation. And you're not in control. And you're not going to bring justice. And so we want to be careful about complaining. Because we can complain about our boss. But if God raises people up and exalts people and sets people down, we're saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. We can complain about our spouse, and we can complain about our kids, and we can complain about the traffic. I don't know, maybe the traffic. No, but you know what I mean? It's this idea where you say, uh, God, you're in control, and I want to be a person that refuses complaining. I'm going to be patient in my situation. I'm going to be faithful with my stewardships. I'm going to strengthen my heart. I'm going to stand here today, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Not easy, but... God provides what we need. But God is the judge that this verse says in James chapter 5, verse 9. And so we will all give an account, right? So your parents will not give an account for the choices you made. Your pastor won't give an account. Your spouse won't give an account. Uh, you will, and I'll give an account for my life before God. Now, that's a very daunting thought. But the power of the gospel is the difference. The picture, there's a, a perfect, just God, and my imperfection and my injustice in my own life for my sin has separated me from him. Uh, how's that going to work? And because of Christ and his perfect sacrifice, restoring my relationship to a perfect God and forgiving me for what I've done and will do, well, that's where our hope lies. It doesn't hope. It's like, man, I hope I... Don't complain this week. Well, you may. And then you clear, God, this is not the person I want. And God will help you make progress. And he'll help me make progress. And we, we, we focus and we cling to Jesus and his forgiveness and his, rest, his restoration. And through the gospel, we can say, okay, God, I will stand before you one day. And I will give an account. And I will say, Jesus, save me. I'm, gonna, I'm going to point to, to, the, to the answer you gave, which is Jesus restored it. And then while, after we commit our life to Christ, if you haven't yet committed your life to Christ, that's kind of the first step. When you commit your life to Christ, then you start to walk with God 
And that's how we make progress in life. And as we walk with God, we can say, oh, I do have power now and strength and help. I don't have to complain. I don't have to vent. Well, that's just how I am, right? That we all fall into those things where, well, I'm just that way. I just say what's on my mind. Well, actually, uh, God has a perspective of how we relate and talk to each other. And that matters more once Jesus becomes your boss. And then he makes us help make progress in all those areas. And so I, I don't want us to get... Uh, discouraged and say, I'm going to stand before God and I ain't going to measure up. Well, Jesus measured up for you and for me. That's the hope that we have. Um, And as we walk with him this side of heaven, uh, we can make progress in all these areas. And so that's the encouragement. So James is writing to all these people that are experiencing injustice and he, and speaks to us through, through his uh, letter today that we have hope. We have real hope that this isn't the end. It's not, it's not always going to be this way. Uh, it's not, things do change. People do change. God changes hearts. God hears our prayers. Uh, the danger is when we say, uh, we, we, we dismiss God. I tried God and I'm done. And then, then we're disconnected from that power and now we're on our own, executing our own justice and experiencing the consequences of that. So let's look here, uh, kind of wrapping up the, um, the chapter here, James 5, 10 through 11. Let's look at that. The last one here, another thing that you and I can do is endure under the pressure. Uh, right there, yep. So James 5, 10 through 11. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Um, behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. God is just. But thankfully, he is compassionate and merciful as well. And so we don't want to get into the situations of thinking, well, God is not looking. No, God is looking, and God is being patient. If the justice hasn't been executed that needs to be, God is, is praying, and we should be praying for, for those involved to change. And, and it may be us. God's like, I'm working on your heart. I mean, this whole series that we talked about pressure points, God uses the pressure to grow us. Um, so you can look at, there's also, uh, we won't look into these stories today, you can, you can read about the uh, life of Job in the Old Testament um, and, and how he lost everything and then God restored it um, and it didn't seem just and then God took care of him. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, you can read that story in, in the Old Testament and how God used all of that for good in, in ways nobody could imagine. We just don't know. And I was talking to my cousin, you know, on Friday about... Uh, the accident from December 14th with my grandma and my aunt and my two aunts years ago. And I said, yeah, what happened to this guy, you know, that, that caused the, the accident? And she said, well, <sighs> I thought I'd get through one sermon in my life without crying. Um, She's like, I, got, I talked to him on the phone. I don't know, it might have been years later. She goes, I told him I forgave him. You know, he was a free man living his life. And she goes, from all I can tell, he, he changed. I, we don't know if it's because of the damage that he caused, but he was very involved in, or involved in his church at the time of his passing. He, he suffered his own things with his own personal life and family and then uh, got ill. And then in 2010, he passed away, but, but he seemed to be... You know, a different guy by the end. And 
you, you just don't know how God is going to work things out. And I still don't know how God is working all that out. You know, how, how my family was changed forever. But I know God is good, and, and he's just, he doesn't, he doesn't rip us off. He just doesn't. And I'm grateful that God moved in this man's heart, and, 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 he, and he died a different man than he lived. And he, you know, God changed him. To what degree, I don't know all the details, but I do, I do know, ultimately, because God says so, that, that he'll execute justice. And, and one of the just things that we can do is forgive and trust God with that and let that go, because the bitterness or, or anger, hate, uh, harms us, right? It doesn't harm the other person. They don't even know you're going, you know, that guy doesn't even know I existed, you know. My mom was one of nine kids, and so we had 27, I think, cousins on that side of the family. So there's a lot of people that guy impacted, and he had no idea who they were. But God did, and God brought real comfort, and, and, he, and he's been good. So I want to look at uh, a few things at the end, because we may be tempted to do some things in pressures that we face, and we want to guard against them. Uh, one, we, we may want to turn to others for rescue. We actually need to turn to God. Uh, and our tendency could be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to so-and-so or whatever. Um, obviously, there's, there's a place for wise counsel and help and prayer, but uh, we don't want to just, our default, we want to go to God for help. The next thing, we may be looking for an escape uh, through money, through pleasure, through the vacation. Um, these things, again, may have their certain time and place, but that is not our response and pressure to turn to those things. We want to develop a new reflex to turn to God, to, to be patient, to strengthen our hearts, to refuse to complain, these things that we've looked at in James chapter 5 today. And then finally, you may uh, try to fix it as quickly as possible. If you're like me, it's like if something is on my to-do list, I want to get it off there as quick as possible. Okay, it's done. And then sometimes, you know, what's the old adage? You uh, measure twice, cut once. Um, in construction, it's like, don't, don't just cut that thing and then the wood's cut and then you didn't me- measure. Make sure you got it right first. That's not my tendency. I, I, I'm re- I live life on the edge of hastiness and diligence, and it's a fine line, and it can be pretty ugly some days. But the idea is like, don't try to fix things as quickly as possible. Just, some things take time. Some things take years. Some things take generations. We just have to be faithful with our stewardships today and trust God uh, with the outcome. Uh, so remember, one, one final thing, and then we're going to get into the next steps, and the band will come in just a moment. God wants to use the pressure in life uh, to grow us, and that's, uh, that's helpful to know. As you feel the pressure, it's like, okay, God is using this to grow me, which growth means progress, and I am farther along than I was before because of this, so, so trust that. The Lord of hosts leads us forward as we follow him. He is a good leader. He's a just leader, and he can be trusted, and he can be followed. And so we want to remember that. I've got a few next steps I want to look at as the band comes up. Every week, we, we talk about these next steps because um, how are we going to work this stuff into our life? Because the Bible is real, and, and it has real value, and, and God really wants to see us make progress. So we want to identify just... Something I can be working on and doing this week uh, to make progress. Here's, here's uh, some suggestions. 
One, identify an injustice that you're dealing with and confess to God your desire to handle this his way, asking him for help. So God, I, I, keep, I keep dealing with this thing. I keep getting taken sideways because of this injustice. Will you help me deal with this in a way that honors you? I don't even know what that, you know, and, and go through uh, even the listening guide today, the refusing to complain, and, and God will meet you there, and he, you will see that he will bring progress as you give this over to him and trust him. Uh, two, show patience with blank as God has shown patience with me. Maybe there's a, a specific person uh, that you want to, that you need to show some grace and patience to this week, and remember how God... Uh, he doesn't want anybody to perish, and so sometimes when we see things not happening, uh, you know, we're frustrated, but he is asking for, he's showing patience. And so, God, is there someone I need to show patience with? And then finally this week, I'll reach out for prayer about a specific injustice I'm struggling with. There just may be something that just keeps coming up, and you can't get past it on your own. And, and so think through somebody that, that you trust that you could include in to be praying for you specifically about this. And... Uh, and then reach out to them this week. All right. I hope this has been helpful, and I encourage you to get into James chapter 5 on your own this week as well. Um, we're going to wrap up in just a moment. Let me pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll finish up here. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that you are a good God and that you are just. And when we want justice, um, you are faithful to deliver it. And help us in, in as we uh, move through life that we would learn to be patient and to be faithful in our stewardships uh, in the meantime while we're waiting for, for justice. And then also help us to learn to strengthen our hearts and to refuse to complain, Lord, and really lean in and trust you. We need your help to do this. We thank you for your goodness, and we ask that you lead us as we, we head into our week ahead. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.